Hey everyone, this is Dan Hanks with Northwest College Support, and I'm coming at you with another one of these informational audio pieces. And you know, the first one of these that I made uh, was about the concept that the gap gets bigger. I had a lot of really positive feedback about that short audio piece. And the audio piece had come from this question of, um, you know, a parent asking me, hey, what, what do you think parents should be asking? And, you know, I thought the most important thing we could cover was this idea that developmentally, if we don't do interventions, the gap gets bigger. Young people with developmental disabilities, autism, anxiety, depression, learning challenges, ADHD, if they're not provided learning-rich environments, the gap between them and their chronological peers gets bigger. So today's headline is this concept that they won't grow out of it. I mean, think about that for a second. They won't grow out of it. I have, uh, over my career, had any number of families or parents or young people themselves say, you know, won't they just grow out of it? I work with a range of students, but I want to talk about people with what I would call neuroatypicality. Now, when I define neuroatypicality, that to me means people on the autism spectrum. It means people with ADHD. It means oftentimes people with depression and anxiety. But in general, neuroatypicality means exactly that, that the brain is not like the norm. Now, how, how big of a population is that? Let's think of the bell curve for a minute. Now, the bell curve uh, theorizes that between, what's, so on IQ, our bell curve, the middle, the average of the bell curve is 100. And plus or minus a standard deviation of 15 points. Uh, we think that about 67% of people fall between 85 IQ and 115 IQ. But when we talk about neuroatypicality, and we're really talking about kind of the average, the normal, the neurotypical people, I would put that that IQ, if we were to look at it from an IQ perspective, which isn't the only way, you know, it's much more complicated than that, but let's just, just for example, 90 to 110 about half the population falls in that range, which means about half the population is outside the average range. When I think of neuroatypical people, I think we're thinking about people, you know, maybe half the population, but it's a very, very diverse half. So the first half looks more typical and more alike, where this other half of people is just very different from each other. Let's come back to this idea. They're not going to grow out of it. I have been asked um, so many times, are they going to grow out of it? And oftentimes that's inside of a context of a discussion of should we wait a year to make a difference? Now, I got asked this by uh, a parent of a five-year-old and a young person was five and they're like, should I just wait a year? Should I you know, not do any interventions now? There's some issues going on but should we just wait another year, see if they grow out of it? I've been asked that question by 
parents of college students all the time, oftentimes in the context of their freshman year, should they take a gap year? Won't they just learn by taking a break for a year? It'll allow them to grow up. Now let's think about this. Let's think about that five-year-old and let's think about the 18-year-old. And it sort of on the surface sounds logical. If we just give the brain more time to develop, won't it be more ready for that next year? Now I think there's a, there's a partial truth there, but I think it's really small because I don't think that the brain is learning if it's not being exposed to new situations and new stimuli. So let's think of that 18-year-old, the 18-year-old that's going to take a quote-unquote gap year. Now, if that gap year means working at Taco Bell at home and being exposed to the same stimuli, same environmental situations, I don't think that that brain's going to learn very much. Same thing with the 5-year-old. The 5-year-old who the family wants to not do any interventions, not change anything yet, but just give them a year I think if that young person is not being exposed to new stimuli, new educational and environmental opportunities, I don't think that, that person's going to, to change in a positive way. Now, my expertise here at Northwest College Support is to work with college students, students uh, who maybe they need more support, but really our program was designed that it could help a neurotypical or a neuroatypical student. Um, our program ends up with young people with what I would call neurotypicality again. That could be ADHD, that could be anxiety, depression, autism. When we look at the students we work with, ones that stayed home or tried to take a year off inevitably came to seek help with more challenges than before they took that time off. When I'm talking to people all the time about this kind of developmental challenge, talk about uh, my inability to play the piano. I can't do it. I don't play the piano. Uh, if I were to take the next year off uh, and start playing the piano a year from now, I would still not be able to play the piano. I don't play the piano now. I don't practice playing the piano. But taking a break will not improve my ability to play the piano. There's only one thing that's going to improve my piano playing ability, which is going to be intensive structured practice. I actually think I could learn how to play the piano. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be very good at it, but I think I could do it. Taking a year off of playing that piano is not doing anything for me. Taking a young person off of school for a year or not taking getting interventions for a year is not doing anything for that young person. The brain isn't developing without stimuli. Let's, let's pause that statement. I think that it is possible that the brain is changing and learning all the time. I think that that's probably more accurate. The thing is, if we're not putting new things in there for it to learn, it's learning the current condition and it's getting better at it. So I don't think the young people I work with learn very well in abstract. I think if they want to get better at college, they have to be exposed to college situations. I think if they want to be you know, develop in their ability to handle relationships, to improve their anxiety or depression. They have to be exposed to new situations, situations that create learning-rich opportunities for that brain. Uh, I get asked about gap years a lot, and that's kind of the, the context of this discussion is 
Is it better to go into college and start getting that practice? Or is it better to take a gap year? And the answer is how rich is the learning environment? There are gap year systems, programs, organizations that provide very structured, very exciting learning rich environments for young people. And I would say that those types of organizations do a really good job to get this concept because learning isn't just about college. Learning rich environments exist all over, not just a university. So I'm not I'm so I'm not saying for a second that that's the only learning rich environment. However, what I end up seeing is young people who spent months, sometimes years with really limited functioning in their home environment and they keep getting better at the rut that they're stuck in. So for you know, if you happen to be a young person that's listening to this, the thing I would really challenge you with is, you know, be willing to put yourself into a new learning rich environment and, and that'll be challenging. If you're a parent listening to this, I would really recommend that you try to push that young person into a learning rich environment. Then they can learn out of it. So if they say they're really anxious, if you're not exposing an anxious person to new situations and new opportunities, that anxiety can't decrease or it's very difficult. If you're exposing that person, they get learning rich opportunities. They get to push through that anxiety. They have a real opportunity to grow and learn their way out of it. <laughs> I'm, as I'm uh, doing this audio, it occurs to me, you know, I'm doing this on the Northwest College Support page and, um, you know, Northwest College Support is a program designed to help young people and to provide these structured learning rich opportunities to help them make the leap into the college environment. We work with a lot of students who struggle with making that jump or maybe we predict that there will be challenges so we try to intervene and get ahead of that. So since that's the organization I'm a part of, you know, it sounds right away that I may have some bias. And, you know, I think that's a really fair, that's a fair, you know, opinion that somebody might have. I do have a bias that the idea that we keep ourselves pushing forward into learning rich environments, things like college, things like, um, you know, new programs, situations, I think it's really good. And I think for the young adult, one of the really neat opportunities that exists in the United States is is the college and university system. Uh, these post-secondary opportunities are so rich and even career technical opportunities are getting so much richer in the United States. And I hate to see young people that are that have graduated from high school not pursuing learning rich post-secondary opportunities. And we started Northwest College Support to try to help bridge that gap, get those people into those environments. But if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, well, I like your ideas, but I don't want to consider Northwest College Support, there's a lot of other good organizations that do this. And I think that, you know, if you're interested in learning more about um, specific organizations, you can drop me an email at dan at collegesupportnw.com. And I'd love to interact with anybody and try to figure out, you know, what might be a good idea. But there's a lot of organizations that do this. And you don't even have to, you don't even have to go to an organization that, you know, Northwest College Support costs money. But sometimes this exists at college campuses. Um, everyone has local schools. People have 
oftentimes local free education available to them. But you have to push into that environment. You can't stay at home practicing how to go to college. It's just an incompatible concept. And uh, I do believe there are people out there that can learn in abstract, that they go out, grow up, get some new experiences, establish some confidence, and then they're able to turn around and go to college. I believe that happens, but I actually think that's the exception, not the rule. In the same way, there are people who can pick up instruments and fiddle around with it, give themselves some time, their brain figures it out in the meantime, and then they start learning how to play an instrument. I've, I've known a couple of young people like that. They, could just, they were just gifted at picking up instruments and their brain could adjust so quickly. In our society, for 50% of the population, we've taught them really, really well how to do the educational system. And maybe for that group, if they just sit around thinking about it, they're also going to get better at that educational system. But I think for most of this, the outliers, which again, there's about 50% of us that fall into that group, we're just all really different from each other. We deserve the same amount of access as everybody else to learning rich environments. So and I was one of the founders of Northwest College Support to try to bridge that gap for the group of students we work with. But I would really challenge anyone listening to this, try to bridge that gap, bridge that gap for your child, bridge that gap for yourself, push yourself into learning rich environments, and don't just wait for your, your brain to grow out of it. Push the brain for new growth opportunities. So before I did this podcast, I was trying to look for some research. And what I wanted to look at was the difference between uh, change due to interventions and change you know, with no interventions. And I was looking at all sorts of different population groups, autism, you know, we have all this data on autism and we have all this data on how early intervention matters. You know, making these early interventions has long-term results. But here's like one of the real challenges of any time we do interventions like this for a person. You can't do the intervention to somebody and simultaneously not do the intervention. So you always end up with these kind of theoretical pieces of data. There's no way we can have somebody come through Northwest College Support and then have that same person live their life without Northwest College Support. Um, It would be great if we could, because then we would have just like some really amazing research. So instead you end up with these change applied to groups of people. And there is really limited research being done on on college students with autism. There's a lot of look at specific interventions and whether or not they work, you know, whether or not those interventions worked out. There's a lot of data on neuroatypical persons and and their struggles in college, but really trying to put together this picture was actually really difficult as I looked at it. And it was the easiest to do with younger children, where you could look at earlier interventions for people with autism making greater gains over time. You know, it kind of comes back to the other audio piece that I I did a couple weeks ago, which is that the gap gets bigger. Um, if we intervene now, we'll make the greatest difference we can moving forward. If we could go back in time, if we had the, some sort of a 
time travel machine, we could go back and we could make those changes in the past, but we don't have that. So we have to do the best we can with where we're at right now. So when we look at the data, when we look at the science, all we know is it's better to do it now rather than later. But really trying to look at um, the idea that college students take a break and then come back to college and then they're successful, there's just nothing indicating that that is true. And there's nothing indicating that younger children without interventions somehow just get better with a time applied. Uh, interventions matter. Learning rich environments matter. Supportive systems, supportive families, supportive programs, different levels of treatment. That all has a lot of evidence for it. So the reason I'm making this audio again is I, I get asked this, well, they just grow out of it. And, the, you know, the truth is the brain does mature. We know there's some evidence that, you know, the brain is developing into the mid to late 20s. But what is that brain developing into? Yes, the hard wiring is changing. The myelination is happening in the brain. But this isn't just about the brain becoming a better tool, but what we're teaching that tool to do. What skills are we putting in there? And I you know, appreciate anyone who's made it all the way to this point in the podcast. I want you to hold this idea. They're not just going to grow out of it. I'd love for you guys to follow us on our Facebook page, follow this audio series, and we hope that uh, you know, it can be beneficial not just to people that work with our program, but anybody who might just be looking for resources for young people who want to go to college but maybe have some challenges or something that gets in the way of their success. And we'd love to be a part of coming up with solutions, not just for our students, but students worldwide that want to create learning-rich environments at a post-secondary level. Thanks for listening, everyone.